Well, hello, boys and girls, sports fans and assorted waifs and strays. It's Den here. And um, it's Monday the 28th of April 2020. We're in week something or other of lockdown in the UK. And with me today, I have the venerable, and I say that with all due respect, Ben Haynes, who started off in beer and ended up in some kind of tech media stuff. Ben, come on, tell us a little bit about yourself. What is it you've been doing for half your life? Yeah, hey Dan, how are you, mate? I'm good. Um, yeah, you know, I I um, I've had a, a fun journey so far. Um, going back in the day, I actually started in hospitality and hotels, and then CPG space um, with Red Bull and a beer company, and then um, ended up in the tech space in Silicon Valley. And I I went to Silicon Valley to, you know, it's a bit of a mecca for for tech people, right? And um, <laughs> <laughs> went there for Box, which was awesome, Box.com, and then ended up at um, Yahoo, which was bought by Verizon and merged with AOL. So it's been a crazy five years doing that merger and working with Yahoo and AOL and getting all that happening. And now I'm uh, stepping back and working out, trying to work out what's next. Okay. Silicon Valley, hmm, supposed to be the home of innovation. Some people are questioning that, right? Well, yeah, it's... It is, but it's also a really big bubble, and there's a really big disconnect from what's going on in the in the world. Um, and in some ways, I think that drives some of the innovation they have there. But it's it's becoming a bit too much. I, I moved a year ago to New York. I, I'd spent five years in the Valley, um, and it's a bit more real in New York with you know what's happening in the world, especially now. It's pretty tragic. But, um, yeah, it's a really big bubble. It's it's a fascinating place to be. What would you say the differences are having come to, you know, I've, I've been to New York a few times. Personally, I hate the place, but, you know, yeah. that's me. Yeah. Um, Silicon Valley, I probably hate it in equal measure, but for completely different reasons, not least of which trying to get from Oakland to San Jose first thing in the morning is like a two-hour commute, although today yeah. I imagine it would be next to no time if you could even go there, right? But Yeah. So what are the fundamental differences? Um. From what I've seen, New York is just a melting pot of cultures and diversity, and there's just so much yeah diversity in, in here and speed and you know everything can be delivered and I, I'm fortunate I live in a, um, a high rise and because um, it is really intense You're like you walk in the street and it's go, it's awesome yeah. I, I I love the energy but you've got to get away from it. And I, I, I escape into my apartment and I can block out the city and the noise and the sirens and all of that. But the energy is just fantastic. And you can get anything at any time almost. But what I loved is the delivery, everything delivered. And right now you can't. <laughs> it's, um, you know, you can't get a Whole Foods delivery or a Prime delivery um, for good reasons. It's, it's pretty tragic what's going on. Um, but, yeah, just the energy that's here and, the the Bay Area is just very, like you said, very spread out, very just crazy prices for for real estate, um, and it's oh, I like the riding there. I, I ride bikes a lot. You go up into the mountains; it's fantastic. Um, but yeah, just very spread out and hard to get everywhere. And like I said, it's a big bubble. They think. Everything that happened, everyone in Silicon Valley thinks what they're doing, everyone in the rest of the world's doing. 
and they're not, <laughs> you know, but it does drive that innovation. And so it, it is fascinating. Okay. So you've seen a lot of change. You've seen a lot, especially in the enterprise within places that you've been. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you've done a lot of the work that other people are just kind of starting out on, aren't you? Aren't you? In the sense that the whole pandemic that we're dealing with has sharpened a few minds, I would suggest. Yeah. Um, so, so what kind of things have you done or that you would recommend enterprise buyers to be thinking about right now? Um, look, the, the basic foundations, which I think caught a lot of companies out um, in this you know, new work from home and you can't be in an office, um, there's a technical side of it. And four years ago, we, we threw out five video conferencing systems that we had in globally across Yahoo, servicing about 20,000 people, put in one. And look, there's no perfect one. And at that point, we chose Hangouts. And it completely transformed the entire company and how we worked because everything went video. Um, and everyone was just used to working in that way. So when this hit, it wasn't that big a deal for us. And I was actually in the process of exiting and I'd handed over to my successor and um, was just helping him. And the biggest challenge we had was people coming down to the help desk saying, oh, can you ship my desk and my chair home? And they got a pretty, <laughs> quick, <laughs> pretty quick answer on that one from us. And like, yeah, no. Um, and it just, you know, it, it, things just kept working. Um, the, the biggest challenge personally and, and people side of it is managers need to be managing very differently. And, you know, you, you, even in a, a, an advanced tech company, you still, there's still a lot of, you know, bad leaders, I'll call them, that, you know, if you're sitting in the seat, that means you're working. And they, if you can't see them sitting in the office, you, you know, well, they can't be working. And so managing through objectives and goals and, you know, what's expected, not physically seeing someone is a challenge I think every company has that you've got to work through and your HR department needs to step up and help. You know, how do you lead when you can't physically touch someone? Um, so, yeah, there, there are two aspects to it. And, and we were really lucky um, in the sense we'd done the work um, and, uh could get on with it so it's going to be interesting i think when when you get back but um well will we get back yeah i uh, not for a while i think there's going to be multiple areas right where you have the people who love working from home <laughs> and they're like no why would i and, and you think about once again the bay area why i have people commuting an hour and a half each way to get to the office and on a good day it was an hour and they were like yes I'm, I'm great you know coming from San Francisco down to um, Sunnyvale area um, they're going to be questioning why should we do that and the leaders should be questioning why why are we doing that um, but there's going to be some need for people to come together um, and office density and you look at the high office prices in a lot of areas um, you know, the, the facilities departments were driven by people per square feet. Mm. That, that, that metric's going to dr drastically change, right? Because you can't be two feet away from, you know, the next person. 
Mm. Um, yeah, so just a lot of unanswered questions. And I think I think facilities is going to have a lot harder um, ask than the technology side. Um, you know, maybe there's more conference rooms because you can't have as many people in them. And I, I don't know exactly, but uh, it's going to be interesting. So you mentioned HR. HR is kind of like a poor relation in many ways because, you know, HR is often perceived, at least externally, as being the guys who hire, fire, retire, do payroll and that kind of stuff. And yet yeah. what we're talking about is something fundamentally different, isn't it, right? So yeah. in, you, in your organization, how, how did... You, how did you how did you organize that? Or how did your HR people manage that? Because that requires real leadership as opposed to jobs with admin type stuff, doesn't it? Yes, and it is. There's so many parallels between HR and IT. It's scary. Really? You, oh no, there are. If you think about the really poor IT shops, which are infrastructure driven, driven department of no, and just there to keep the light on. Hey, that's me. Hey, that's me, dude. I'm the I'm I'm the I'm the department of no in my business, man. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I call I call it product management. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's very like it's the equivalent of the HR department that is just there to protect the company and do payroll, right? Mm. And and both organisations have to step up above that, and we're seeing that. Um, and like I said, I've been a little bit removed the last couple of months, um, but you are seeing that, which is you know how do, there's got there's more focus on leadership. Um, there's more focus on uh, you know how how do you work with your teams when you're remote, um, and HR are stepping into that. And also, what I'm seeing is they are addressing the mental side of things, which they they need to be doing. There's a there's a very big undercurrent, I think, on the mental impact uh, of what's going on, and you have, you know, some people who just can't function without other people. Like they live off that energy; they're very extroverted, and you know, so there's they are helping with um, resources around, you know, how to address that. It's okay to be not okay, um, and and stepping up up to that. And I think. Yeah, you know, it's it's like IT. Some IT shops are just going to go to ground and be like, oh, "I've got to just keep your laptops working," and they'll just get overrun with shadow IT. Um, and HR are the same. If they don't come out and and help in that, then every leader is going to do what they need to do to make mm. it happen. Yeah. Yeah, I heard a, a CEO last week. He turned around and said, "You know, there is a sense in which every company needs to be a healthcare company because <laughs> looking after your employees now." Oh, we've talked about it for years. He yep. said. He said this is real. <laughs> he said, yep. you know, you can't have you can't have a workforce where uh, a proportion of your people are basically going crazy because and 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 having to deal with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the reality is that we're all going crazy to a certain extent. I believe anyway. We are. We are. And, and look, I've seen. I've been really impressed with the Verizon's uh, Verizon's response to this and internally what they are doing and over communicating. Um, for sure, but everyone hears things at different times. Um, so they, they've really, they move really quickly to communicate daily briefings, like a lot of different programs started up quickly. Um, and they've also, I think, done very well externally with how they're helping other companies and, and people just in the 
in this pandemic and internal like employees get feel proud of that and it, it all helps you know build that purpose and that we're you know we're here to help and um it's it's been really good to see i've tended to when i lived in san diego and i, I kind of kind of half knew this anyway but when i lived in america um i got the sense that american people generally at least in in my kind of sphere of things are desperately shallow right mm-hmm. very 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 concerned about anything related to the i word intimacy right Bro. and and it seems to me that what's happened here has has had a significant impact in the sense of you know what we've got to be real about what's going on with people yeah and that's a massive massive at least to me massive cultural change now am i stereotyping probably but is that something that you would have observed and, and has led to some sort of a change then or am i being pretty uh, might that be seen as being facetious and sarcastic no it's a, li- a little bit harsh but there is some there's the reality is there's some vanity and it's the the um i see it in everyone in in corporate america they're scared to miss out and they're scared to take a holiday in case something happens and Uh yeah you know and they're just running 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 and it's all about status and priorities and uh, you know and it's all about their work and and being popular and um i think what the change is coming and it's not just because of this pandemic I, i think it's slowly been happening is the empathy um for other people and and is is really starting to come into the workplace a lot more um which is helping and especially now you have to be empathetic about um your workmates and and everything that's going on around you and the other massive push which is good it's not lip service is um diversity and inclusion and and that has a very very positive impact on on every company and i'm not i'm not quite bought into the yet it's going to make you more money i think that's still to be proven but it is making a healthier workplace uh, by having a lot more uh, diversity uh, in the workplace and and that helps drive empathy as well i think um so yeah it's definitely changing and there's always going to be holdouts but um uh yeah no i think it's Okay. In a positive direction. Well, in the world that I normally occupy, you know, those fabulous big one, two, three, five-year projects. You know what's <laughs> up? Yeah. So they kind of disappeared all of a sudden. I wonder why. Um, yeah. Do you think? Do you think they'll come back? Yeah. Um, they they have to. For some companies to to transform. They're going to need to come back, and uh, however, the you don't have three years anymore, and I, I think that's the challenge now: is how do you get rearchitect a foundation a lot faster that you can incrementally build on, and and that's the big challenge. Um, and look, every company is different, and how you can do that. Um, but the, it is, you won't see too many, you know, really big bang projects anymore. You've got to ch- chunk them down to bite size. And it pushes a lot of um, a lot of the work into 
interim, I'll call it interim integration type things and throwaway work potentially to get to that next step. Um, but deciding what that core and that foundation is, is critical. And there's so much tech debt now in every, every company. <laughs> um, and this is maybe an opportunity to get serious about, look, we need to just cut the cord on some of this. And it was the, the beauty in our manager with AOL and Yahoo. You know, these are, they were two 20-year-old companies. And, yeah, we were tech companies, but we had as much tech debt as anyone, probably more. And we came in with a wrecking ball and just slashed and burned. And, and you know, you move the risk meter up a little bit um, and you make hard decisions. You know, we, we had SAP and Oracle in running. Pick one. Mm. Shut it down. Nine months, you're done. You integrate the data, Right. Unheard of in, in most M&As. They kick that can down the road for a few years because everyone's too scared. And we're like, no, you know, <laughs> pick one and we're, we're going. There's no plan B and, you know, we make it happen. So, yeah, I think um, ultimately this has brought a really large focus on digital. And we use the word digital. It's the same shit we've been doing for 20 years in technology, right? We'll call it digital now because it's cool. <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're there, there's, there's two facets. We're there to optimize the operation and process of the company, right? That's why we put in ERP 20 years ago and we put in CRM 10 years ago. Um, and now it's social and, and all those uh, different areas and optimizing that. We'll keep doing that. And then I think what the companies have found out that you know they've been talking about the digital to the consumer side and you know how they're going to market. Um, that's now front and center because the ones that were ready are killing it. I mean, Amazon's added twenty four billion dollars in market cap since the pandemic started. Walmart is crushing it. Like all these people that are that are digital, like to their core. Look at Netflix, sixteen million new subscribers, right? Mm. Digital platforms are winning. So it's a big wake-up call, and I think boards and the executive teams now will be like, holy shit, we've been talking about this for years. Let's pull our finger out. It's interesting that because um, I know I know one um, company wanted to buy into the whole Amazon logistics thing, right? They wanted to, mm -hmm. they wanted to get hold of the technology, right? Yeah. Two things. Bezos wasn't going to sell it. Yeah. <laughs> Second, they took one look and they said, wow, this is so complicated. We've got no idea how the hell we'll ever get our heads around it, right? Right. So, Be so Bezos was in the box seat anyway. But with Walmart, that's really interesting because if I wind the clock back maybe three years, mm -hmm. they looked as though they were on the way to the crapper. You know, Amazon was really kicking their butt, right? Yeah. And I, I, I looked at that company and I thought, you know what, their track record is, you know, I, th I think about their track record in terms of the way in which they treated Rubbermaid during the oil crisis, right? Rubbermaid came to them and said, hey, look, you know, we're, we're suffering with massive oil price increases. And Walmart just looked at them and said, well, go and find efficiencies. And they said, we'll go out of business. And they said, well, okay, fine, you got out of business. Yeah. Right, they didn't go out of business, didn't Rubbermaid. But, I mean, it was incredibly painful for them. Right. 
and and I kind of looked at I tended to look at Walmart through that lens, having had experience in the UK dealing with the likes of um, BHS and uh-huh. M&S at the time in in certain product areas. They had very much the same focus. You know, it's price or you're gone. Right yep. now, Walmart looked as though they were about to be in real, real trouble with the way in which Amazon had come at them quite successfully, uh-huh. and yet in this situation yeah we all need food and therefore where are you going to go but they seem to have have uh, made a very quick pivot to getting this right the same with bed bath and beyond we call we call them bed bath and beyond repair is how yeah. we tend to describe them right and yet yeah. they seem to have finally got hold of the omnichannel thing mm-hmm. and and got it got it right so if these companies really can respond quickly why can't anybody else? Is there any real reason why they can't? Um, yeah. I think with Walmart, they've been building this for the last three, five years. They're their econ foundation, and they made some key acquisitions, and they've had the pieces to the puzzle. Right. Um, and, you know, big big bank balance <laughs> to do it. Yeah, that um, kind of helps. <laughs> yeah, and, and even Target, I, I heard, that, you know, they've actually been doing really well as well. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Slowly getting back into it. Um, recovering after their security issues. Um, so it's not like, you know, Walmart was in February just, you know, kicking it on their stores and then March hit and they're like, oh, where are you come? They've had those foundations there and this has just shown up a spotlight on it and then allowed that to grow and they probably had to pivot focus a bit more into it. Um, I think the, the, you know, the... You think the flip side of that is um, who just who's about to go bust here? Um, Nordstrom. No, Neiman Marcus. I think. Yeah, Neiman Marcus. I saw those guys were just about to go belly up. Yeah, yeah, you know, and they'll be bankrupt soon. And I, I don't know if Macy's can handle it as well. Um, well they're a basket case anyway, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, and they're the very they're the traditional shops that just haven't made that switch. Um, and and haven't nailed it. It's it's a dedication. It's a lot of money, and the the fight for talent is real. Like there's only so many engineers out there doing machine learning and AI and you know the real high end stuff, and they're all competing for the same pool of people. Um, so you need money. Like <laughs> you need money to attract these that the level of talent that's required. Um, and they're not used to paying that type of money um, when you think about retail versus what tech people earn. So many challenges. I think the biggest reason is they just don't commit. Really? Yeah. Uh, I think a, a lot of the companies, that they, they half-ass it and um, they're not committing. They, they think, um, you know, they're still in the back of the mind that we're a physical retail store. And uh, people want to come in, and um, you're seeing that with all the stores closures. And Sears, I think they're done now. Um, it's another big one. So yeah, it's um, it's a difficult puzzle, right? It's it's you got to commit. You got to you got you got to know it's going to be a lot of money, and you've got to think differently, and um, find the right talent. Well, you you. You and I have spoken about this privately before, but I just want to do this a little bit uh, publicly in the sense that um, 
you know, you, you were on this journey for of rationalization, optimization for four or five years, yeah? Yeah. Um, what was the pur- what was the purpose? Was it, uh, j- just just run over the rationale on that? Um, Other than save money, which is obviously <laughs> that's well, yeah, top of mind. they're just top of mind, and I think there's a from my point of view, there's a a role you have to play as a corporate citizen and understand a good corporate citizen and and understand how you know you're impacting the company. And making the company productive. So in a lot of IT shops, you're there to make everyone productive. And then also consumer side, if you're in the um, product side. Um, And everything you do needs to have a return uh, in some way. And I don't mean a hard-driven financial ROI, because a lot of them are bullshit that people make up, but it makes finance feel better. No, so you, tell me it you, isn't so. <laughs> Come on, man. You, you know, there's there's maybe eighty percent of it you can really nail down, and there are some that in total you can see an absolute like return on it. And there's, but there's a lot of stuff where it's like, what's the benefit of giving someone a computer that's you know a thousand or three thousand dollars? Like, you know, you tell me they're happy, they can work faster. You know, that their stuff doesn't work on the $1,000 computer, there's your return, um, you know. So, um, yeah, there's, there's all of that. But you've got to be – what I work through with my team is, is taking pride in what we do, being cautious with money, but not – you can underspend as, as much as overspend, and that's almost oh, yes. as dangerous, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's finding that, that point where – we're helping the company move forward. People are happy. Um, and we're doing it in a really responsible way so that we can allocate money to the things that will help the company. Like there's a lot of waste in IT, and IT is really good at complicating things. Like I think some people live to complicate things, right? Because then they feel important because we're the only ones that know how it works and there's massive job security, right, that comes from that. And so you've got to have a foundation where we've got to simplify. We've got to spend the right amount of money and uh, we've got to have the right level of staffing um, to make sure that we're doing the right thing for the company and not just wasting money. So, you know, we looked at, it was easy in the merger, but before the merger, um, you know, Yahoo was struggling. We had activist investors. Um, always oh, yes. fun. Yeah. Um, we know how that point works out, but there was a lot of meat on the bone. And, and you come into any IT shop, and you know they've, they've been working traditionally. I love it because there's so much meat sitting there. Um, there's licenses, you know, sitting on the shelf they've never used. There's fat maintenance contracts they've never used. Now you go to somewhere and say, you know, oh, we've got top tier premium maintenance. Okay, how how many times have you called them? Uh, once maybe twice okay well what's the risk then of not having that you know and you just start asking questions and and you know um you get into it and you find so much money sitting around and the the number one thing um especially you know i'll I'll talk about traditional old it shops you want to innovate when you come in and, and you need to innovate but um, very rarely will you see a net increase in expenses for IT. Okay, that's just the reality we deal in. Sometimes I've been able to justify some for sure, 
Um, but you can fund your your next generation of work through your existing budget, and you need to have that conversation with your CFO. How do you how do you how do you do the deal? I mean, what, what do you what do you trade? How do you trade this? I'd love to know. Well, well, you're giving some money back. Number one, they always want something, and and I'm okay with that, right? But um, you know, you a you you have to get everyone to agree to where you're going. So you're not just willy-nilly, oh, I'm going to do this because I want to. It's like, okay, we all agree that we need to do X. And everyone's like nodding their head. And then the finance guy's like, well, how are we going to pay for that? Well, we've all agreed we want to do it. So that's the first <laughs> the first <laughs> hurdle. Everyone says it makes sense. Um, let me go back and, you know, we need to go end-to-end. Be really transparent on your IT costs. That's the number one thing. It's this hidden thing. And when people can't see it, they immediately are negative, right? Because they, they all, it's just human nature. Well, I can't see it, then you must be hiding something. It must be bad. So you get very transparent. Here's my costs. And it takes, depending how big you are, that can take some time. Here's where we're spending our money. You get very transparent and very open about how you're spending your money. And so you're bringing more people into the conversation. Um, and then it's like, all right, if I cut... I don't know, if I can find 30% of this, I need 20% of it to fund these new things we've all agreed on, and then 10% goes back to the kitty, right? And I'll be good with that. I think the transparency is the number one thing there, and it's uh, we had some pretty you know, big stand-up fights about a lot of things. and um, What, within IT or between IT and the business? IT and the business. And, okay. and it's like... Uh, okay, I'll take Slack for example. Stupidly expensive for what it does, like just ridiculous. Um, and everyone, the company wanted it, and so it's like really transparent. It's like, okay, here's this isn't an IT cost. This is a company cost, and I think changing that mentality is is important as well because it's like. You know, everyone looks at it as an IT cost. It's like, well, no, we'll only buy Slack because you all want to use it. That's not an it's a company cost. So as a company, if you agree to this, then that's fine. Like we, I can have an opinion at that point. It doesn't matter. I think it's a bloody stupid expensive for what it does. But people see the productivity and it's a company, like IT costs are company costs. And you've got to change that narrative around. Um, and the more you can do like that, the better. There are some costs that are really hard to explain um, as to why you do them, and um, you've got to try. But sometimes you've got to say, look, this just has to happen because if we don't, these five things will break. <laughs> and it seems like a waste, but trust me, it's not. Um, but you're still being transparent um, about it. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's really just bringing it all above the line, so to speak, and and educating everyone around what you do and why you do it. Um, we implemented a system of um, ratios with headcount for help desk. And it was it made it really easy come cut time because with Yahoo, I went every year we were cutting. Like it, it brutal and I, I got efficient at it, which, yeah, good and bad. Um, but... As, as as we were doing, I'm like, okay, well, you know, I've got this many help test people um, 
And here's our ratios. And, you know, we went from one to a hundred in some offices some with two people and you take it to two hundred. So one person looks after 200 people. And then we had this rating system that we could see if, if service dropped or not. Um, and so you could get immediate feedback well, over the months of, uh, are you servicing correctly and can we lower the ratios? Um, and we didn't. In our big offices, we got from, we got one help desk to eight or 900 people. And it's all very explainable. It's like that working out loud and making transparent really helps uh, people understand what, what you're doing. So this is interesting, Ben. Unfortunately, I've only got about another seven or eight minutes, mate, but nevertheless. No um, the whole IT and business thing, geeks and suits, we've had this argument since forever, right? What you seem to be saying to me is, is that if you go to the business with a view towards transparency and endeavouring to explain to them what IT actually does, yeah. at the same time, though, you're going to need the business to understand IT as well to a degree, aren't you? Because, mm -hmm. I mean, one of, the, one of the failures of leadership, as far as I'm concerned, is that they've been sold systems on the golf course, thrown it over the wall to guys like yourself, get on with it, and then all of a sudden you're faced with a pile of something. Yeah. I won't necessarily say crap, but it probably mm -hmm. is. Yeah. And and then you go back to the business and say, what the hell is this about, right? Mm -hmm. And they say, well, you know, you're doing this. And they say, what? And all of a sudden you're in problems. Right. Now, what I'm seeing today is that business leaders are suddenly realizing, actually, we really do need to understand what some, at least something about what these guys do. Yeah. Because otherwise, we're not going to get to where we need to be. Is, is, is that something that you... Is that something that you're seeing as well, or is that some, is it something that you've just done as a, as an IT guy, as, as a matter of course, or? Yeah, no, I've, I've tried to a lot. Um, every business leader is different, and they all have different motives. And the the interesting side, the negative side, in some ways, is that IT has now become cool, so everyone wants to do it, and it's every you know, every business leader thinks they understand everything. Um, and you've got to help and partner. And then the key word is partner with, with everyone mm. and be transparent on what you're doing. And I think that the IT's general reaction, and we talk about the department of knowing, like they feel like they have to be generating every idea. And so business brings something to them as like they have not my idea syndrome and, and get defensive instead of sitting and going, okay, you obviously have a need for that. How do we help you do that? And where can we play a role? And by the way, and especially in big companies, here's, here's the security issues, here's our privacy. You know, <laughs> there's all these things that they don't think about um, that get them in trouble um, and ultimately end up wasting money for the company. So you still, and especially in big companies, you still see both sides of that where someone has a brainwave and I call them different, but... You know, goes out. You mean something. you mean brain fart, don't you? Yeah, no, I didn't um, no, I did. <laughs> and you know, you want to partner with them. And if if you have a credible organisation that people will come to, that's the first step. And the, you get that by keeping the trains running on, on time and providing services that work. Um, and you you partner with them, and and we had a lot of success, and it's. It's a trust thing at the end of the day that um, you, 
the, the best thing to get a project lit is, you know, the head of whatever department, the head of IT, go to the finance committee together to pitch the idea, right? It's not an IT project. It's not a sales project. It's a company project. And here's how we are going to solve this problem. Right? And you have mutual respect for each other uh, going into that. Um, and, and you'll get things moving forward. So the, the trust that is there, I, the one really big success I had, and I really wish I wasn't talking about ERP, but it's, you know, it's in every company. We had a 10-year-old out-of-date everything. And I, I sat down with finance. And I'm like, look, I need nine months. You're not going to get anything out of this. So there is no feature upgrades. There is no, like, we're not turning on any fancy new widget, nothing. I'm removing replacing the foundation really quickly. And this is a Oracle upgrade in nine months is very quick. Um, and then after that, we'll do anything you want from a feature perspective almost, right? Well, that's dangerous. Yeah, I know. And I will still argue if it's really silly. But uh, the point was, after that, we can then build what you need to build once we have this new foundation. But I don't want to, you know, you see a lot of the big upgrades they added all these new features, and I don't know if they're Arthur or Martha when they, they light it up and what's changed and anything. So, But they allowed us to do that because they trusted that we would get it done because uh, we had a, a really good track record. And they were part of it. We didn't do it in a, in a, in a siphon a silo, but um, you've got to have that trust, and it, it can work. Okay. Ben, what's next? What do we need to be thinking about? What are you? What are you? What would you say if, if I came to you as Big Co? I'm kind of not in trouble, but yeah, it's not looking great. Yeah. Well, there's two aspects to it. Um, one is internal, and I, I'm really like there's a narrative heading uh, through Twitter last end of last week. Work from anywhere. I think work from home is going to have a stigma against it. Um, you need to be designing your systems to work from anywhere. Um, and there's so many foundations out there to do that um, already and beyond corp is a thing Google's done and there's all these things like how do you structure your IT shop and your business to work from anywhere and work from almost any computer, you know, and, and think about I had a rule for many years, no more fat clients, right? No more what? Fat clients. It's, oh, got to right, work okay. on a, it's got to work on a web browser, right? You bring any solution, it's got to work on a browser. Um, and, and just think about that. How do you work from anywhere? And then you've got to very quickly address the, the digital omni-channel, like if it's um, consumer goods or whatever that is. And what is that digital facing with your customers? And how does that transpire and, and work um, quickly? But... You need to start. I mean, some places may take a couple of years. That's okay. But if you don't start, <laughs> I mean, it's not, we all want it faster, right? But if you don't start, it's never going to happen. Um, and so what does that look like for your organization? Okay, Ben, listen, we're going to have to wrap it up there, man. I'm sure we're going to talk again. That's Happy really good stuff. And, um, yeah, let's see how we all manage, eh? Yeah, yeah, it'd be good to... We're slowly coming out of our cocoons, right, and uh, see how we uh, manage this next transition. It's going to be interesting. We're in the chrysalis stage, dude. Yeah. Okay.
Cool, man.